Welcome to today's online worship experience. I'm Pastor Anthony and it is an honor to have you with us today. You made our day when you logged on. You could be doing a lot of different things today, but the fact that you're worshiping with us in this way means a lot to us. So thanks so much. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the book of James chapter one, or you can go to your YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone. Just go to the menu to the events Type in North Park Church and all of today's scriptures and notes are going to be there for you. So I hope you're ready. I hope you have your tools, maybe something to write with. Got your favorite cup of coffee beside you and ready to go. Let's dive in today to a brand new series that we're doing called Me Plus You. We're going to talk about some essentials to extraordinary relationships. I don't know about you, but our family, we're huge Marvel fans. And so if someone asks what my favorite movie is, it's always Rush Hour 2. But number two is always anything Marvel. We love them all. And one of my favorite characters from the Marvel um, world is from Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's this character called Groot. And Groot always says exactly the same thing. And if you know what I'm talking about, why don't you say it with me loud and proud wherever you are? One, two, three. I am Groot. And that can mean a lot of different things for that dude. And what's hilarious to me is no matter what he says, everybody else around him seems to understand. However, I never know what he means. It's funny because when you don't communicate well, it's really hard to develop relationships. And like Groot, sometimes um, I'm not understood with my family. I don't always communicate well with my kids. Um, inevitably, when I try to talk to my kids, my kids will say, what? Hmm? What's that? Over and over, no matter what I say, especially Blair, she'll say, what? Hmm? And I have to constantly repeat myself, which is kind of frustrating. And I'll say to her, why? Why are you not know what I'm saying? And she always says, dad, you mumble. You always mumble. So maybe I don't communicate well, but I can tell you whether you mumble or you don't use the right words or you just struggle to get your point of cross and for others to hear your heart. Communication determines the level of our relationships, our ability to communicate, our ability to connect with our words really is the life or death in our relationships, um, especially when conflict enters the scene. Where two or three people are gathered together, the Bible says that their presence of God will be in the midst of them, right? Where two or three are gathered together, I will be right there in the midst of them. The problem is, is conflict also shows up in the midst of them. Anywhere two people are breathing the same air long enough, we're going to have disagreements. At North Park Church, we made a decision a long time ago that one of our core values would be that we would deal with conflict in the biblical way. So whether that's at your work or whether that's with a friend or your classmate or your roommate or your spouse, your kids, there's all these relationships that we have. We have to learn how to communicate, especially in the middle of conflict. I read a great book years ago um, and there was one great quote that started the book off by saying every relationship is two or three conversations away from breakthrough. The problem is we don't have those 
conversations because we're not always we're not always sure how to have those conversations. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to dive into James um, chapter one and we're going to talk about how to have difficult conversations. Now, when I first got married, I realized, especially in my marriage relationship, we could disagree about anything. I mean, it's crazy how much husbands and wives can disagree on. And it's things that just do not matter. Two of the biggest arguments Marion and I ever had when we first got married were about toothpaste and temperature. And that's, that's the God's honest truth. Toothpaste and temperature. Um, we didn't agree on how to squeeze um, toothpaste. Uh, maybe you're one of these people um, that squeeze from the bottom, like you're going to get every little bit of toothpaste out of that thing. That was Marianne. I don't have that much time. I just grab it and go. She's a driver insane. And we'd also fight about temperature. She always said that I kept the house way too cold. And so I realized that we can argue and have conflict about some of the stupidest things. Um, but the reality is those are important conversations to have. And we have to know how to have that conversation because in life, every area of life, we all have different ways of doing things. And just because we're doing it differently doesn't mean that it's wrong. Now we all deal with conflict in different ways. And if you're like me and you don't like the awkwardness of conflict, you try to avoid it at all costs. That's me. I don't like conflict. And when it exists, I get nervous. I don't like it. And so I do everything I can to try to avoid it. Um, maybe you're the opposite. You're like a bull and you see red and you're ready to charge at it head on. I believe both of those can be unhealthy. If we're constantly avoiding, that's unhealthy. If we're charging at it like a bull, I think that's unhealthy. So the question is, what is the healthy way of dealing with conflict? All right, let's dive into James chapter one. Our text today is actually written by James, the half brother of Jesus. Can you imagine living in that shadow? That's tough, right? Uh, but James gives us some great insight on these relationships, gives us great um, essentials to extraordinary relationships. And James writes this, understand this, my brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Those are three great essentials that apply in every relationship. In verse 20, James says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, I believe that every conflict boils down to this one truth. You're not getting your way. You are not getting what you want. If you get frustrated about anything, it's because you are not getting your way. We all want control. We all want our way. And so if you're frustrated when you're standing in line at Target because the line's not moving fast enough for you, you're not getting your way, right? If you're frustrated at something in a relationship, it's probably because you're not getting your way. Um, I was on Facebook a few years ago and I asked this question, what's the goal in a conflict situation when you argue. So what's the goal when you argue? And here's some of the responses that I get. To prove a point, um, to show them I'm right, a need to be heard and understood. And then here was somebody who got really honest. To win at all costs. That's pretty honest, right? Well, what's the goal when you argue? Are you fighting to win? Here's the problem. If you're fighting to win an argument, in order for you to win, someone else has to lose. And I'll be honest, in these relationships, if I truly care about someone, here's the question, do I want them to lose? 
here's a great truth. You can write this down. You will never show love and kindness to someone by winning an argument. It frustrates me so bad when followers of Jesus think that they're going to win the world by arguing with people or lashing out at someone trying to tell them how wrong they are on social media. You will never show love and kindness to someone by winning an argument. The goal should never be to win at all costs. The goal in any conflict, in any disagreement, the goal is to have a healthy relationship. So do you want to win an argument or do you want to have a healthy relationship? The goal is not um, to, to prove your point or to put somebody in their place. See, it's not hard to be right and it's not hard to be heard. It's not hard to be passive aggressive, but to be loving, well, that's more demanding. So when you're in a disagreement, here's a phrase to consider. I like this phrase, for the benefit of someone else. How are you going to respond even in that situation for the benefit of someone else. As we've shared a lot over the last couple of weeks, love isn't just an emotion or a feeling. Love is a verb. Love is action. And there are 2,000 plus things that Jesus did in the New Testament, and they were all actions taken on our behalf. One of my favorite books is by Bob Goff, and I just love the title, Love Does. Like, I love that idea. And James give us gives us some great action steps to take so that we can have these healthy relationships that are led by love. So what's the lesson? He says, you must be quick to listen. So that's the first truth. We have to be quick to listen. I was traveling uh, down in, uh, in Country Road uh, in Bailey, North Carolina. And I've traveled this road a lot. And there is a, a bridge that goes over top of this road. And it's a very low clearance and everywhere are signs that it's a low clearance. Shows how high it is. And if your truck is over this height, you need to take the detour route. It's clearly marked. Uh, but I went through there one day and I saw a box truck that had completely been ripped off its bed because someone did not take the time to go around. Somebody didn't take caution. They didn't stop. Instead, like a bull, they rushed right through. And as a result, probably lost their job, certainly damaged the truck. And we do that a lot in our relationships. But James says, if you will just stop and listen, you'll find some wisdom there. In fact, Proverbs 18 and two says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinions. And we love to do that. We want people to hear our side. We want to let them know our stance. We certainly want to let them know our opinion. But Proverbs says, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding. I like this idea that we have to show up to listen. Um, we have to first seek to understand before we seek to be understood. Let me say that again. We have to seek to understand before we seek to be understood, which means I have to listen. I have to intentionally put myself in your situation and listen. And that's hard for us, I think, because listening requires an act of humility. It really does require us to be humble. When I'm listening to someone, I'm putting aside my own agenda. I'm putting aside my chance to show people how much I know. I'm putting aside all of these things that I could do to try to get my way. And I don't wanna just act as if I'm listening. I wanna truly listen. 
But don't just listen with your ears, listen with your eyes. Don't forget that communication happens verbally, but it also happens non-verbally. You can lie with your words. Uh, it's more difficult to lie non-verbally. So we've got to be willing to pay attention, not just listen with our ears, but listen to what's being said, but also let's listen to what's not being said. I looked up a definition years ago of communication, and, and this is what I saw. Communication is not the ability to be heard. Communication is the ability to be understood. So you could listen to me speak today and you could hear everything that I'm talking about. But if you don't understand, if you don't, if you don't listen to understand, if you don't seek to understand, then communication is not happening. So we can both be talking, we can be yelling at each other, but communication isn't happening because we're not seeking to understand. We're just seeking to be understood. And think about it, when you're in a conflict situation, especially when it goes to a higher volume situation, when we move from a disagreement um, to, an, to a full-blown argument, when we're, we're, when we're in that situation, what are we typically doing? When someone else is talking in that situation, what are we doing? Here's what I think we're doing. I think we're reloading. I don't know that we're really seeking to understand. We're being quiet. We're looking as if we're listening. But I think what we're typically doing is just putting our ammunition back in our gun and we're waiting for somebody else to take a breath so we can drop a bomb on them, right? We're, trying to, we're just trying to prove our point. We're reloading. I think we need to see it from their perspective. We really need to try to see the situation from their point of view. It's like that old saying, don't judge a man until you walk a mile in his shoes, unless he's wearing Crocs, judge him immediately. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm serious. But we, we typically ask questions like, what are they so angry about? But here's, here's a better question. Why are they angry? Seek to ask that question why. I heard someone say just recently that we're five whys away from the real problem and honestly the real solution. Just to keep asking, well, why? Why do you feel that way? Well, why does that make you feel that way? Not to badger someone, but to truly get to the heart of the issue. So James says, be quick to listen. But then he goes on and gives us our next step, our next essential to extraordinary relationships, which is be slow to speak. And he's not just saying talk slow. What he's saying is, is guard your words. That's the lesson. We've got to be quick to guard our words. Proverbs 21 and 23 says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. We talk a lot. I talk way too much. I've got to learn to guard my words and keep my mouth shut. And this applies to face-to-face -face interactions, but I also think it applies to social media reactions or interactions as well. Um, just because something is um, true doesn't mean that it's always helpful. Someone said a long time ago, and I, I, I love it, I wish I could give them credit, I don't know who said this, but truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. But when you put those two things together, truth and grace. It's a beautiful thing. The thing is, some of us are truth people and some of us are grace, grace people. And you know who you are. Like you, if you're a grace person, maybe you're kind of like me, like I kind of avoid the conversation. Um, I just want to lead with love, right? Uh, I don't want to die on that hill. 
But then you may be on the other side of that. And you're like, nope, I'm going to tell them like it is. You always know where you stand with me. I have people in my life that say that all the time. And they lead with truth. They want to drop the truth on you. But the reality is one without the other, I think, can be very dangerous. If you're all grace and you're no truth, man, that's tough. If you're all truth and no grace, also tough. But when you put those two things together, I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. And what I often advise is if you were a grace person, you just need to lean to the truth, right? If you're a truth person, you need to lean to the grace. We need to get both of those um, in every conversation, in every conflict, in every situation, and in every relationship. Truth and grace together, great medicine. Now, I think, especially on social media, we ignore some of this stuff because we will say things on social media that we would never say face to face. It's really crazy how we're willing to kind of hide behind a screen name or hide behind a keyboard. Um, we'll just be keyboard warriors and go at it. But the reality is we need to apply these principles to our online interactions as well. And I think we need a good filter. We need a good filtration system when it comes to the things that we post and also to the things that we say in our face-to-face interactions. So here's three great questions. Here's the first question. Is it true? If it's not true, don't say it, right? That's a great, that's a great filter. Here's the second thing. Should this be said at all? Because there are some things that are true that just shouldn't be said. There are just times that we don't need to say things, right? And and then the third thing is, should it be said right now? So maybe it is true. Maybe it should be said, but maybe it shouldn't be said right now, which kind of leads me into something that we teach a lot at North Park Church. And if you've been around us very long, I hope that you know this and could teach it yourself. And that is the R4 principle. And we believe that this is our, this is the biblical way of dealing with um, any conflict in any relationship. And I believe that the R4 principle works every time. And I think when we apply the R4 principle, when we're on the other side of the conflict, I think the relationship will even be stronger. So I want you to commit R4 to your memory bank. So this is the way that you lead in your relationships. Now, what does R4 stand for? It stands for right time, right place, right attitude, and right person. Let's break that down a little bit. There's gotta be the right time, right? You have to make sure you choose the right time to have a difficult conversation. You have to make sure that you're in the right place. How many times have you seen people in Walmart going at it? That is not the right place. Right time, right place. Have the right attitude or the right spirit. I've got to make sure that I'm in the right place to have this conversation. I want to make sure that the person I'm talking to is in the right spirit and has the right attitude to receive this conversation. I want to make sure that we're in a good place to be able to talk in in, in the right way. And then I have to make sure I'm talking to the right person. See, back in the beginning, we didn't have the R4 principle. We had the R3 principle, right time, right place, right spirit or attitude. Uh, But I began to realize that oftentimes I am in the right time. It is the right place and I have the right attitude, but I could be talking to the wrong person. And if I'm not talking to the person that I have conflict with, then I am not dealing with conflict in a biblical way. If I'm not the person who is a part of the solution. And I'm just going to say I am a part of the problem. And so we've got to make sure that that we don't get involved in a situation that we shouldn't be involved in. Um, Oftentimes, I think we go to people because we want them to take our side or we want them to 
do something, but we're not dealing with conflict in the right way if we're not actually going to the person that we have an issue with. Now, the Bible is very clear. If I go to that person and we can't find resolution and we need a mediator, then yes, then we may go to someone else to help us work through this issue. But first and foremost, like we need to work on this thing together. Right time, right place, right attitude or spirit and with the right person. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And finally, James says, be slow to be angry. In other words, control your anger. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Do you see that? Like I think the way that we handle our relationships and the way that we handle uh, conflict in those relationships, if we aren't careful, we will actually give the enemy a foothold in that relationship. Be angry. I get that. There, there is a time for anger. The Bible doesn't say don't be angry. Anger is an emotional response to life. It's an, it's an emotion that God hardwired us with. So Paul doesn't say don't be angry. He says in your anger, don't sin. So there is a time and place for that anger. I mean, if there are people that are being abused, uh, let's be angry. Let's do something about that. Let's stop that. Sex trafficking is a real thing. Let's be angry about that. Let's do something about it. Children are being mistreated. People are being mistreated and marginalized. We should be angry about that. That should move us to response. So Paul is not saying don't ever get angry. Jesus got angry. But what he's saying is, is while we're angry, do not sin. Let's make sure that our response to our anger um, is healthy. Because let's be real, our natural response in our anger is not always healthy. And there's some of us that are watching this today. We struggle with that. Like our natural response when we get angry, maybe you lose control. Maybe you lose your temper. Maybe you say things that you should never say, right? Maybe you respond in ways you should never respond. I was listening to a stand-up comedian a few years ago, a, a prison inmate, he was telling the story, was, was interviewed by this comedian. And it, it's a funny response. The inmate had this tattoo and, and that was pretty profound. Here was the tattoo that was on this inmate. He said, a wise man knows how to defeat issues without raising his hands. He who does this will find favor in all that he does. After reading it, the comedian asked the inmate what he was in prison for, and the inmate responded, assault. So it can be tattooed on your body doesn't mean that's always going to be the right response, right? So let's make sure that in our anger we do not sin. One day I wanted to play basketball in my driveway, and so I walked to my garage to find the basketball, and it wasn't where it was supposed to be, so I thought maybe my son left it out in the driveway. And so I walked outside, not in the driveway, and then I happened to look up and I noticed that the basketball was across the yard, like at the edge of the woods. My yard doesn't slope that way. There's no reason for the ball to roll that way. And in that moment, I knew what happened. I knew exactly what happened. My son got frustrated because he didn't make the shot he wanted to make and he became a football player and punted that basketball across the yard and went inside. So I called him outside and I was like, hey, buddy, let's, uh, let's play some basketball. He's like, yeah, that's great. It's like, where's the ball? I knew where the ball was. And he kind of looked over. He knew where it was, too. And so we had a good talk about not letting our gut level response in the middle of our anger to be to punt something across the yard. That's not really the kind of response 
that we need. I was watching another athlete who was training. It was right after that. And this, this athlete who was training was going through some drills and um, it just wasn't going the way he wanted. And in the middle of the drill, he just stopped. And he went back to the free throw line and he just started just making free throws. And then once he kind of recalibrated, he went back to his drill. And in that moment, I kind of looked at the coach. The coach looked at me, he could kind of read what I, was, what I was thinking in that moment. And he pointed to the athlete and he said, he's rebooting. I was like, what, he's rebooting? Like the situation wasn't going the way he wanted. And instead of getting angry and lashing out, what did he do? He went back to fundamentals, he rebooted and started doing the right things again. I think sometimes in a conflict situation, instead of flying off the handle in, in our anger, sinning with words and actions, like we need to find a way to reboot. And maybe that means taking a long walk. Maybe that just means getting away and spending some time by ourselves to calm down a little bit. But let's make sure that we reboot in that moment and not do something that's going to hurt that relationship even more. Again, the goal is a healthy relationship. Don't make things worse by breaking things. And some of us break things. Others of us break relationships. Maybe you break someone else's spirit because you've lost your temper. Maybe you break your own temper because you swallow um, your, your anger and, and you don't ever have the conversation because you don't know how to have it in the right way. And so in an effort to try to avoid it, you just swallow it and never deal with that conflict and in essence, break your own spirit as a result. So let's make sure we're not breaking things as we're dealing with our anger. Let's make sure we deal with it in a healthy way. Now, let's talk about three quick lessons about anger. And I think these are very important. First of all, if you don't control your anger, your anger will always control you. Here's the second thing. Focus on the positive instead of the triggers that make you angry. I heard Dr. David Cooper say a long time ago, we need to make sure we love people for the things they do right more than we despise them for the things that they do wrong. We focus on things that people do wrong, that frustrate us and aggravate us instead of focusing on the positive things that they do right. And then finally, when we've blown it, we need to own it. Like we need to make it right. We need to admit our mistakes and seek forgiveness. It's time that we stop fighting against one another and start fighting for one another. We have to start fighting for our relationships. You know, I love to have my kids at home. Um, if you have kids that are young adults or college students, you know what I mean. You know, you, you, you're just glad when they're home. When both my kids are under my roof, I sleep better that night. It just, everything is right with the world. But I always know they're home because when I come out of my bedroom into the kitchen, I have to step over their shoes and things that they leave because my kids always leave a trail behind. I always know where they've been because there's a dish, there's a pantry that's open, there's shoes that may be left. And at this point in my journey, in this season of life, those things don't frustrate me. They, they make me pretty excited because I know my kids are home, but they leave a trail. And the reality is you leave a trail too. You leave a trail everywhere you go. Let's start asking ourselves, what kind of trail are we leaving? because we're so filled with something. The question is, what are we filled with? Are you filled with patience? Are you filled with kindness? Are you filled with joy? Are you filled with self-control? Are you handling your business in the right way? And if so, the result of that is the trail that you're gonna leave behind 
healthy relationships. But if you turn around and you see one broken relationship after another, I think we really have to stop and think what kind of trail are we leaving? And if you don't like the harvest you're reaping, we got to check the seed that we're sowing. I think it's time that we look in the mirror and we really ask ourselves, are we dealing with conflict in the right way? Are we walking through our four? Are we really, like James says, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry? I think when we apply these things, we find extraordinary relationships. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it is an honor to walk this journey with you. And we truly do want to walk this journey with you. And one of the ways that we can do that is for you to be plugged in to one of our life groups. Life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships. And we would love to partner with you. We'd love for you to join one of our life groups. Just simply go to NorthParkRDU.com where you'll learn all that you need to know about how to get plugged in to our church family. I want you to know that you are loved and we are cheering you on.